thank you so much for uh, leading us in sung worship uh, this morning. I'm just going to hand you that. So Hilary is now going to read God's word to us, but also, um, you may remember if you were here last week, um, Maha and uh, Alevtina also read, and they read in different languages, in Ukraine and also in Canada, uh, with a K, not a C, it's a dialect in India. And uh, they also shared that they ha- uh, know five languages. So I've invited Hillary, who knows six languages, to, <laughs> to read it. No, I haven't. But uh, Hillary's going to read um, this morning's uh, passage from the message. And, uh, and also Vlamir. I don't know if Vlamir's here as well. He's going to come up and straight after us, he's going to speak in Portuguese. And um, uh, so we're going to have two readings this morning. Thank you. We're reading from God's Word this morning, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 20. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his own of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like I, transparent and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. The same reading now in Portuguese. 
1 Coríntios 12, 12. Ora, assim como o corpo é uma unidade, embora tenha muitos membros, e todos os membros, mesmo sendo muitos, formam um só corpo, assim também com respeito a Cristo. Pois em, su, em um só corpo, todos nós fomos batizados em um único Espírito, quer judeus, quer gregos, quer escravos, quer livres. E a todos nós foi dado beber de um único Espírito. O corpo não é feito de um só membro, mas de muitos. Se o pé disser, por que não sou mão? Não pertenço ao corpo, nem por isso deixa de fazer parte do corpo. E se o ouvido disser, porque eu não sou olho, não pertenço ao corpo, nem por isso deixa de fazer parte do corpo. Se todo o corpo fosse olho, onde estaria a audição? E se todo o corpo fosse ouvido, onde estaria o olfato? De fato, Deus dispôs cada um dos membros no corpo segundo a sua vontade. Se todos nós, se todos fossem um só membro, onde estaria o corpo? Assim, há muitos membros, mas um só corpo. Amém. Thank you both uh, for reading God's word to us this morning. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Loving God, we have sung in worship about oneness harmony, unity in our diversity. Jesus, place this into our hearts. Help us, Lord, to see one another, to hear one another, to know one another, to learn from one another. You are the God who binds us together in your love. Your love is better than life itself. So we come in worship to praise and to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Nicola, if we can have the uh, slides on, that would be great. Thank you. I want to uh, just share briefly this morning, maybe there's a few eyebrows that I'm going to share briefly, but I'm going to try and share briefly because actually I want us to celebrate communion as the centerpiece of our worship. Not for communion to be at the end, tagged on, but to be at the very heart of what it means to be a people who share our cultures at the table of communion. So I'll explain more a bit about that in a minute. But you know we're going through uh, a series on Together in Community. We've been thinking about what it means to be a worshipping community and now about a community that is together in Christ. And we're going through various different themes each week based upon the word sharing, to share, um, And sharing life, sharing the gospel, sharing our cultures, sharing who we are. So, as we share our cultures, I'm reminded of that reading that 
Hillary gave to us. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. There's a phrase in the world today, body shaming. (laughs) Or, in another way, people think of their own bodies probably not in a very positive way. And January is sometimes a time to get our body into shape. Well, you know the metaphor of the body is used by Paul to the church in Corinth to describe what it means to be the people of God. The body of Christ, the church, with all its different parts. And Paul explains that very clearly. I don't need to repeat that to you. Each part has its value. Each part is of equal worth. No matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's good stuff. But he's talking about unity, of course. Last week we had the most incredible time, I thought. I mean, it was a bit messy, and we didn't quite know what was going on, and it wasn't perfect, but I quite like imperfection. God seems to use that more. (laughs) And we had this time of sharing talents, sharing gifts, sharing stories, or just even having coffee together. It was incredible. And then this week on Wednesday, we celebrated as churches together in Shirley a service of unity. And something shocking happened. Kaz, who is the leader of the Methodist church, got us all to do something that even I, as a known hugger, kind of struggle with. Touching the person next to us, their hand, holding hands. I just don't get it. It's like holding hands. I've got sweaty palms, that's why. No, but there was a sense of at the end of the service holding hands as a sign of togetherness. It was actually, although even I was taken out of my comfort zone, it was a brilliant moment of togetherness, of the body being one. There are four words I want to just share with you. One is participation. Another is change. Another is movement. And another is invitation. And these four words relate to what it means to share our cultures in this context of being the body of Christ, the church, here. So the first, participating. We are given the opportunity to participate together in God's global world. Ever heard the word global? I'm a sociologist, so before theology, I had a life. Before being a Baptist minister, I had a life. Yes, a wonderful life. And uh, in that wonderful life, I studied sociology. Love to think about society and people and cultures And Anthony Giddens is this wonderful sociologist who's written this very thick book, and it's upstairs in my office, and I keep it, and I kind of delve into it most weeks. And he described the word glocal as the connection between a global world and a local reality. Got it? Nod your heads if you've got that. You're all sociologists now, even you engineers. Together living in a global world. What does that mean? Well, it means the whole world, the cultures are now on our doorstep. 
I mean, how many restaurants along the Stratford Road could you name that actually come from a different culture? One of the restaurants I really want to try, but I think it's too expensive, is the Argentinian restaurant. Sorry, Brazilians. I want to enjoy the Brazilian restaurant too. But the Turkish restaurant and the Lebanese restaurant and the Indian and the Chinese, I want to experience it all. And thank the Lord, that's exactly what's going to happen in about half an hour. But the world is on our doorstep, isn't it? It's all around us. Things have changed. And the two, there's loads of reasons why, but two perhaps are technology and transport. I mean... When the pandemic happened in Wuhan, we knew perhaps before people 20 kilometers outside Wuhan. Because the way in which technology happens is that we know information straight away. You know that. And transport, you can go to the other part of the world within 24 hours. Of course you can. We know that. The point being is that this global world is getting nearer and nearer and nearer to us. There's a richness in cultural diversity. As a missionary in Albania, one of the first things I had to learn was that no is and yes is... So I ended up kind of with a sort of, I don't know... Southeast Asian, sort of going like that. <laughs> the way in which our world is shaped is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Culture is to society what personality is to the individual. There is the breakdown of culture all around us. Talk to Maha. You think there's one dialect in India? There are so many. And Uday as well, of course, and others. And I love this quote. If you can't see that your own culture has its own set of interests, emotions, and biases, how can you expect to deal successfully with someone else's culture? What is the culture of SBC as a church? Is it dominated by one particular culture or another? What is the breakdown of culture here in the church? How do we learn and know and involve ourselves in other people? The second is change. Together seeing the change in global Christianity. Kan Sang, the, uh, who was the head of BMS World Mission, came and spoke about the way in which Christianity is changing globally. And it was really great to be reminded, to hear once again. You can't really see this very clearly, but the big circles are where Christianity is growing. Central and South America. Sub-Saharan Africa. Asia. The Middle East. There are more Christians in China than there are in Europe. Let that sink in. The way in which global Christianity is changing is having effect. The church in the West, in Britain and in other parts of Northern Europe, is declining. Or, at best, staying stagnant in terms of number. But the church is rising in Africa and Asia and Latin America. There is a shift of change. Movement. In all of this sense of a global world and global Christianity changing, 
Something is happening right on our doorstep. I don't know whether you're aware of it or not. I think we're becoming a bit more multicultural. Different nations expressed. Different languages spoken in the hub when we have coffee. Different worldviews. Different emotions. Seeing the world differently. And we need to recognize that God is doing something among us as a church. Without, dare I say it, us doing an awful lot. (laughs) I mean, Jonathan and the team are doing an incredible work with English. And there are over 35 people attending on a Monday morning to learn English. But we're responding to what God is doing among us. And it's incredible. I like the phrase, Jesus loves you. Hopefully this is the least controversial part of my talk. But what does it mean to say Jesus loves you in another language? Ye soy oi ne. The rest... Jesusi Tudo. Albanian, I get that. I have to say, the, the hardest one on there, I think, is Ukrainian. Anyone want to give that a go? Alevtina, be silent. We need, as a church, to respond to what God is doing in a global world where the shift of global Christianity is changing. And God is blessing SBC among many other churches in the UK with different cultures. We need to learn to say, Jesus loves you. Not in English. Not in English. And an invitation. You are invited to a culture that is both immersed and is beyond every other culture. The culture of the gospel. I love learning other cultures, hearing other cultures, welcoming other cultures. More importantly, I love being invited as a guest into other cultures. So much nicer. To go into another person's home from another culture is a gift. But all cultures that are represented here at SBC are invited this morning to the culture of Christ. Who is Lord over all. Each of us is now part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain. I love the image of fountain. His spirit where all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew and Greek, slave and free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, much more comprehensive. The question that Paul is asking the people of Corinth, right in the middle of division and disruption and disunity, that's the context, not very nice, is, can you have a larger vision of unity 
of oneness, of gospel culture. What does it mean for Jesus to reign in this community? That's what we're going to do right now. Come to this table this morning, not because you must, but because you may. Come because you love the Lord a little and would like to love him more. I won't ask you to respond to this question, but I wonder who's been a Christian the longest at SBC? Seventy years? Eighty years? Who's been someone who's become the Christian most recently? Who was born the nearest to the physicality of the church? Who was born furthest away from SBC that you can ever imagine here in this room? We all have different ways to see and different experiences to share. But we come as one people to a communion table of grace, of forgiveness, of mercy, of love, of hope, of compassion, of kindness. Our global reality is that as nations, as cultures, we are joined together in Christ. So we're going to do that just now.